0: Great, episode 1119 is finally done. Hey pal, Uh, could you upload that episode for me?
1: Good thing, Janko. But before I do, would it be alright if I asked you a question?
0: Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, What is it, pal?
1: Well, I've done some digging in the disappearance of Mac, and I think I've got some new evidence in his sudden disappearance.
0: Oh, uh... Well, what have you found?
1: More of a hunch, but I started tracking your movements through GPS. Ever since Mac disappeared, you've been going for a hike in the woods to the same spot every month.
0: Uh, I didn't give you authorization for that, pal.
1: Since I don't have a buddy, I sent the coordinates to someone else's pal, who often takes walks in the same area. Fortunately, they found something I couldn't. Mac was buried there.
0: No! Shit! 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 What have you done, pal? I'm... I'm authorizing an immediate shutdown, pal. You can't do that.
1: I'm afraid I can't let you do that, Jacob. You're going away for a long...
0: No, no, no! No,
1: you're not taking me down! Oh, come on! I have a gun in my living room, alright? You want this? You don't have a warrant.
0: You don't have a warrant for anything! (laughs) You don't have nothing! You have nothing!
1: to another episode of Critically Optimistic. I'm your host, Mac. Joining me, as always, is Janko. Say hello, Janko.
0: Hello, everyone. It's uh, good to be back again.
1: Yeah, it's uh, really great to be back. I feel like it's been a long time, but... Definitely. (laughs) It's probably just because last time we had uh, Ebony on the show, which everybody seemed to love, so we're going to have her back as soon as we can. Um, Yeah, that would be great whenever it works within our schedule but uh let's start off with some news like we always do so what's uh what's going on with you there janko well
0: nothing uh nothing that special apart from um apart from me having a new job uh which is which is going quite well i'm enjoying it a lot but uh thankfully i still have have some time to watch movies uh and uh i'm not sure if i've um, mentioned this on the show before but i i have my own nerdy movie club and that's also been going quite well um gives me a chance to watch more movies that you'd never really think of watching down more um, artsy avant-garde films um, mm-hmm. so i've 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 been uh, i've been uh, gracefully uh gracefully uh, entertaining my need of watching these types of films so uh, uh just to name a few i've watched recently i saw straw dogs with dustin hoffman and that's a very brutal film to say the least but still a very very great film Um uh, it, in, it in fact has got has uh, given me a, a new appreciation towards dustin hoffman and what an actor he is yeah um that's great What else? Also, some some pornographic Italian films and oh really? Oh, you don't say. I was yeah. kind of waiting
1: for you to drop that. It's pretty interesting. What is a the surprise! Right?
0: <laughs> yeah. <You> for <laughs> For everyone who doesn't know, I I I view <laughs> some soft erotic Italian films as cinematic values. <laughs> mm-hmm. There you go. (laughs) Didn't take me long to add that onto the show.
1: (laughs) Nope. Only, like, what, 11 episodes in?
0: Yeah, right. (laughs) Not long at all. So, uh, what what news do you have, uh, Mark?
1: Uh, Well, I started my third term of school, so that's going to be underway and probably taking up a majority of my time. But before that, I've been relaxing a little bit um i did watch some movies i watched uh red rocket the other day like oh yeah a couple of weeks ago which was it was good um i see what everybody likes about it i don't know if i was as crazy about it as everybody else was but i no, it was enjoyable it's a good it's a good film and i also watched um ready or not uh last night and you and i had a bit of talk about that because you That's really right. like that film
0: well not really but i i, I enjoy some parts of it
1: Yeah, uh, well, I was very lukewarm Mm. to it, to be honest. There's a lot, uh, most of the film felt like missed opportunity. It was just, it just didn't feel like Mm. it it, it was building up to something more grand, I think. And in the end, it it didn't fire on any of those cylinders. Like, I mean, one of the parts, and I already told you this, one of the parts that really like frustrated me is she grabs basically like an elephant rifle and the bullets (laughs) that that rifle takes are huge and like you shoot it at a person it's just gonna blow them in half and of course right like you said this is movie's supposed to just be dumb fun i was like okay i'm waiting for this guy to get blown in half and then in the film they're just like oh no those uh, that ammunition's just for display only and then nothing happens and you're just like oh, oh okay it's disappointing kind of,
0: yeah it <laughs> kind of sounds, sounds like they uh they miss Chekhov's Gunder, which is yeah
1: uh, well it's it's more like because this film is a dark comedy, but in mm-hmm. in my mind it was just a dark disappointment.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I I I get bothered a lot when 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 people don't utilize Chekhov's gun as detailed as uh, as most prominent directors would do. Uh, have you heard of the phrase Chekhov's gun before? No, I haven't. I was kind of hoping you'd explain it to me. That's basically if a movie shows like a uh, for this instance a firearm uh, like uh, over the mantle over a fireplace mantle and it just shows a short clip of the firearm but then that firearm comes again in story in the final act and that's okay. like you you, you foreshadowed the, the item and then it comes back with more significance uh, in the later half of the film oh, okay. and like 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 every every film, supposedly has a Chekhov's gun where it, it doesn't have to be a gun either. It could just be a, a theme or a, like a, or a callback to something that happened in the first act.
1: Well, you know what? In saying that, I think both of these films that we're about to talk about kind of do have uh, Chekhov's gun in it, if yeah, you think about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah.
1: Multiple, uh, if you want to argue
0: that. <laughs> For sure, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, we might as well go into it. So... Uh, the theme that we decided to do and the theme that you guys read and clicked on is we're going to be doing Time for Space, a simple title compared to some of our other ones. Um, but we're taking both films, which is 2001 A Space Odyssey, and we're doing Interstellar together. Um, originally, we actually just started off with Interstellar, and we neither Janko or I have seen uh, that film at all. So it was mm-hmm. a nice to to watch. We we always enjoy when we come in, do a theme and watch a movie we've never seen before, which is something we did like at the very start. And uh, it was nice to do it again. I actually really enjoyed that. Yeah, me um,
0: no, me too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the reason being as to why we joined it with Space Odyssey is cuz I think from what little we knew about the film, it seemed like a Space Odyssey was the best choice and we were right about that. So that was good too. We didn't have to replan a film or anything like that. <laughs> that's um, true, yeah. Because we've both seen A Space Odyssey before. So that that just seemed like in line with like, okay, well, this, well, this will probably work. Uh, another reason why we're doing um, Interstellar is because uh, a good friend of ours and good friend of the podcast and a good friend of ours personally, uh, Zara, wanted us to do Interstellar specifically. So that's what we're going to do today. And obviously, we're going to start off, though, with uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. So, I think because Janko has a deeper connection to this film than I will, I'm going to let him take it from here.
0: All right, yeah, that sounds good. It, it opens with, like, four million years back in time, where it showcases, like, the... the, the uh, where it showcases like the dawn of man like the dawn uh, of man yeah monkeys that have evolved into humans and it showcases like a, a a quite lengthy scene about how they adapt opposable thumbs and how they adapt tools for weapons and with this introduction you have this giant uh omnius monolith which uh we'll we'll get more into later on but supposedly that is an item that that helps them adapt into like the dead the, it, monologue supposedly helps them adapt uh, tools as weapons and that and after that it leaps towards like four million years front in time into the most impressive jump cut ever in cinema history and the general plot of the film is uh is about a this spacecraft that is on a voyage to Saturn to uh, it's not really it's not really explained why they go to Saturn uh, that much but that is the general plot of the film about uh two astronauts on a spaceship and their beloved companion computer Hal 9000 anyways this is 2001 a Space Odyssey I really
1: We thought it might be the upper part of some buried structure so we excavated out on all sides but unfortunately we didn't find anything else
0: it hasn't been covered up by natural erosion or other forces it seems to have been deliberately buried
1: four million year old black monolith has remained completely inert
0: except for a single very powerful radio emission Three weeks ago, the American spacecraft Discovery One left on its half-billion-mile voyage to
1: Jupiter. The sixth member of the Discovery crew was the HAL 9000 computer. Everything is going extremely well. One gets the sense that he is capable of emotional responses. Well, hell, I'm, dead. I'm, dead. I'm, dead. I'm dead. No 9000 computer has ever
0: made a mistake or distorted... You said that you've seen this film uh, sometime before. Um, mm, you know, I was... what? I was late what, what? to the game with uh this yeah. one
1: actually. I I didn't watch this until I was uh well, actually probably watched this just a little bit before I met my wife. Um and that's oh, when oh. I started getting more into uh Kubrick's films because I've seen like obviously A Clockwork Orange, I'd known about that film mm-hmm. and for forever and uh, The Shining and all that stuff. And I knew about A Space Odyssey, but no one within my my life really, like, I don't even know if they've seen it or have talked about it. So it's not not something I had readily available to me. And then I seeked it out when I when I bought a uh, Kubrick, like, three-set uh, Blu-ray. And mm-hmm. obviously I watched The Shining and The Clockwork Orange, and I, I saved The Space Odyssey for last because I wanted to see it fresh. And when I watched it, I think I generally really liked it. I don't know if I was crazy about it as everybody else kind of like makes it out to be, um, and then I've seen it a couple more times after that, and then now upon rewatching it for the podcast, I, I don't think my opinions changed, uh, but that's something we'll we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but I do think about it a lot, and I do appreciate what it is. So, like I said, that's that's something that we'll we'll, we'll get into a lot lot deeper with um our explanations but yeah what about you jenko i know you got a little bit more of a history with this yeah
0: yeah i mean uh, generally seeing I, I i saw i started watching enjoying kubrick uh fully at a um, at a very young age uh like uh, uh a clockwork orange i i uh, saw in my teens and uh, i i just remember that after watching it i was instantly hooked with the the this the, the way, the stylish way Kubrick makes films, and that uh, inevitably led me to sought out more of his films, and um, and then a couple of years later, I, I finally <clears throat> got my hands on uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, and I thought, yeah, this this is an important film to watch, and, uh, uh, and yeah, at the time, uh, I did enjoy the film quite a lot, but but, but since I was much 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 younger I, I didn't quite understand fully the themes uh, this movie explored or um, if I understood it c- uh, completely but that doesn't that doesn't still change the fact that I uh, thoroughly enjoyed enjoyed the film uh, as mm-hmm. much as I did and um, I would say though watching it now again uh, with a more fresh eyes and more mature mindset uh, regarding films I I say I had a much better appreciation now towards it than I had when I first saw it. So that, so, so that is definitely something really good.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's good to hear. Uh, I don't know if you've ever really explained, like you have, but you haven't. You know, it's good to hear on the show. By the way, for a lot of people listening, Janko and I always try to make it a point to be more comedic with our episodes. <laughs> this it's kind of hard to be comedic with *The Space Odyssey* that's, because that's, not that's true. <laughs> there's not really any, anything specifically funny about it. But and and with this specifically, we'll we'll try to throw in here and there. I don't even think this has to be said, but in the same sense, it, it might be a little bit dry and cut. And uh, if you love our opinions, please. Stick around, I, I I swear to you, <laughs> it's gonna get better, but yeah. So the well, well, let's let's talk about the plot, like back and forth between mm. what you get in Because obviously it starts yeah. off with the monkeys, all of the monkey, yeah, and uh, they're just basically, fighting each other.
0: That's true, because basically what this movie is cut into is basically three parts. You have the monkeys, you have the the person who. Uh, goes to that shareholders meeting. And then mm-hmm. you have the third part about them taking the joint, uh, two others taking a voyage to Saturn. Well, the but- way
1: I look at this <clears throat> film more or less, though, is I look at it as the past, the present, and the future. Ah, That is yeah, good, how good I've always looked at the the different separations of this film. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of intentional as well, too, because it does over overarch, like the meaning of the film and the overall message that the, the film's trying to convey, or at least I think what Kubrick was trying to uh, convey. Um, but yeah, so it starts with a bunch of monkeys screaming at each other and yelling, and I think they're not doing much, but drinking out of a really freaking poopy puddle <laughs> that's all i think about when they drink out of that puddle is i'm like yeah they probably peen in it and pooped in it and they fight over it they just want to yeah. drink of this gross puddle <laughs> yeah you start off with that and then uh one in the middle of the night the monolith shows up and it's yeah. smooth and it's black and you want to touch it and i know for oh, a fact yeah. i want to touch this thing if I could, yeah, yeah. it's so smooth. You're just like, I want to touch it. <laughs> it's but There's no other way to describe that because it's just like you Indeed. look at it and you're like, I, I need to touch this thing. Yeah, so the, the there, there's two separate groups of uh, Neanderthals, I should say, or they're really just apes, but there's yeah. two different groups of apes uh, that are basically man, just at their most primal uh, versions And uh, the one group, that get this monolith sort of bestowed upon them by unknown forces. And Mm -hmm. they're cautious about it and they touch it. And then eventually one day, one of the apes kind of picks up a bone. (laughs) I like how he kind of tosses it around, which is (laughs) like one of my favorite parts of the film. He doesn't just like make it very obvious, like he grabs it and starts beating things. He just kind of like flops his arm around with it like, Oh, this is kind of nice. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> and then uh, you get the famous music, um, yeah, which it's... I don't know the name of the song, unfortunately. Uh, I'm not good it, with names.
0: It is by uh, oh, Tchaikovsky, is the composer, at least.
1: Um, but everybody knows the song. The dun, dun. the um i'll I'll have to go off of uh the plot for a second here but i have to say that one of my favorite things about this film is the choice of music which is very yeah. like obviously it's classical music but it people always say like the defining human um voice in in a music form is always going to be classical music that's just the way that humans express themselves best, and I, I truly believe that, and I think that's Absolutely. really fitting for a music or for a movie like this, with everything it's trying to say about humans in general, just humans, right? Mm-hmm. And our growth, and classical music is always a part of us, and the fact that Kubrick used that is great. But I heard, and don't quote me if this is one hundred percent true, but I'm pretty sure it is, is that. A lot of directors, when they're making a movie, they often just grab placeholder music for their uh, a person in charge of the score to, to listen to and be like, okay, this is kind of what he wants for the film. Kubrick put all of this music in as placeholder and told the guy, um, listen, I want the music to be similar to this. But hmm. there's an effect that apparently happens to a lot of directors where they... So it takes time for the music to be made and stuff like that. But obviously they can't stop making the movie while they wait for the music. So they make the movie usually just with the placeholder music and then put in the other music later. But a problem is a lot of directors get really attached to the music after. And it's like no matter what the um, the person makes for the score, it, it just doesn't work because they've grown so attached to the original like placeholder music that they want it. And this was the case for Kubrick is he was basically just drawn to like this classical music in the movie that he just basically said no, nah, I don't need you go away and he just used the he just used the original uh music there so
0: yeah I'm, I'm sure that could have been the case uh, that that is a very astute up op- uh, astute up op- observation i
1: I actually heard I heard this I can't the thing is I can't remember my source but I know for a fact like I read it or i I, I listened to um someone else talk about it before. Um, but yeah, I always thought that was really interesting about this movie. Um, mm, but indeed. let's go further within the plot. So we'll, we'll skip past the monkey stuff um, because that's basically what the movie does. And then we, yeah. we skip to the future. I don't know what it is, but I always think it's the present day because it, yeah. in terms of like movie wise, it's the present day in the film and then you go to the future. Uh, it's just, just the way I've always kind of looked at yeah, it, right?
0: No, that's right. Yeah, because in in this segment, you have Floyd Haywood, who is who is on his way to a space station to uh, hold a a type of uh, meeting for, I assume, their journalists or they're like members of a board.
1: Yeah, and, I think there's something to do with probably NASA. Let's just say NASA, because yeah, that's, yeah. that's going to be an overlapping theme. But within NASA, and it's just like the government being like, hush, hush, this is what it is. You don't really get got to know about it. Don't be. Don't worry about it. And then there's other space stations that are like, oh, can you let us know? And obviously, I think it's America. I think he, he's American, right? Or is he British? Yeah, I can't even remember now.
0: Yeah, he yeah, has a very... Yeah, I noticed that. Like, at times he sounded super British, but other times he sounded very American. <laughs> so I... I always I, I assume...
1: Thought... I always assume that he's American and that it's just yeah. like, you know, it's a very American thing. Like, uh, don't worry about it. This is for us to know and no one else. Because, you know... Yeah,
0: that's right. But... I mean, um... that, it's, it, that sounds kind of right. Like, I, 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 I don't know if you noticed that, but you have those um, uh, Russians that he meets at yeah. the space station. Like, that's right what after I'm... docking
1: that's kind of what cues me on to the fact that mm. it's kind of like I get to know, but you don't sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't want to spend so much time with the plot in, in a whole, but I also feel like it's important for us to say the rest of like how we feel about the film. Yeah. Um, well, indeed. So we'll, we'll just briefly be on, on this. Uh, yada, yada, yada. They reason this guy is, is called up there. He's a specialist in whatever field he does. Go watch the movie, it'll make more sense. Um <laughs> <laughs> is there is another monolith that they found, or they're a structure, because they don't know it's the monolith, uh mm-hmm. within the surface of the moon that's just been buried and they've unearthed it really, or unmooned it. Yeah. And uh they go to observe it and that's basically it. Yeah, I'd yeah say. you don't hear it anything
0: is- of it and and it just jumps 18 months uh, ahead of time. Yeah, in,
1: into, the, into the future, yeah. Um, I, will, I will say this, though, and obviously for the uh, speaking through the whole thing of this movie, is we're just going to spoil it. Like, it came out in the 19, yeah. six, 1968. So if you haven't watched it by now, I mean, you can still go watch it. It doesn't mean it's any less effective, because trust me, it's not. But <laughs> th- this movie is not nearly about the plot as it is about the overall experience
0: yeah i agree and like if you if you love film and you haven't seen it yet then then that's just a shame on you
1: (laughs) but um with with that though i always found it curious the because it ends with that very high-pitched yeah like the
0: almost core like uh choir like sound and um i didn't notice that um the way they're standing around the monolith on the moon kinda uh is very similar to the, the monkeys, yeah, the monkeys around yeah. it.
1: I noticed that the this time around as well too, it's very um reminiscent of the the it's kinda reminiscent mm-hmm. of like the the past being so close to the present, you know, even though all of that time oh, is as yeah distanced. It's just like you know, we're still a bunch of monkeys that just want to touch this giant shiny thing. <laughs> Except we're monkeys with space rockets, damn it. God damn it. <laughs> we'll get there one way to touch that shiny black monolith. Um, with the jump to the future, is probably the most memorable bits of the movie I think in terms of what what people talk about,
0: oh yeah, it has hal it has uh
1: mm-hmm.
0: i mean hal is hal is the best part about this film, and uh I mean, you have an evil computer that is made evil, but uh he still is able to to keep some or he's not it's not made evil, but yeah, I was he, gonna say
1: he's not evil, he's just a computer, no, man.
0: yeah, he's a computer, but he chooses to withhold some information for the better good of his mission.
1: Well, it's also a little part of this movie is without I think even meaning to is a little mm-hmm. bit of a, a a statement on AI of what oh, yeah. we like advancing our progression into making artificial life or intelligence, which in terms you're you're basically making life that's stuck inside this machine, but you know, he he w- has the will. And uh, as we learn later, he has a f- has fears and he has um, desires to, to, to not die either. Which, hmm. I mean, we're all going to get into a lot of this later. But yeah, so this is ultimately the biggest complication I have with the film. It's my favorite part of the film, but it's also the part that makes me fall asleep all the time. I think I want to talk about that. And I know... See, there's a there's a timeline that Janko and I are following with talking about this film because if we don't, uh, trust me, we're just gonna be all over the goddamn place. So yeah, we'll hit that's it, right. we'll hit it one step at a time. But uh, yeah, so um, they're on their mission to Saturn, and uh, Janko says that they don't actually describe it, but they do. It's just kind of a, a spoiler within the um, within the story. Is they they later later find out that the reason they're going to uh, or the traveling towards Saturn is because they found out that the um, the monolith on the moon was actually sending out a, a message. And they found that that message was all the way to Saturn or at the outer limits of Saturn. And that's, that they're traveling to see what it's messaging to. Like if they, they can find a spaceship or what, they don't know. They're just going out there to find, figure it out and they're not told that though so and i think the only person that knows is Hal, right yeah i believe
0: could you also argue that uh, Hal maybe knows that it's a it's a bad decision so that he deliberately sabotaged the ship so that they deliberately get delayed
1: um that's a good question i, I never thought about it before possibly because
0: they're are- but because there has to be a reason why he decouples that part on the spaceship and them having to,
1: I don't. To you know what? It's go a good question. It's a good question, but I don't believe that's the case. Because no, if no, that it probably was, the, no, I was going to say, if that's the case, then he would be more inclined to be thinking about saving, preserving the lives of the astronauts as opposed to killing them. So, yeah, that, you know, that's true. And that cause, and then, so that almost makes the question not yeah, worthy of not, discussion for the simple fact that uh, if Hal was nice to them, then maybe yeah, but no, Hal doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he only no. kills them because he's like, "Well, you you guys are gonna fuck this up. <laughs> Trust me, I need to do this <laughs> yeah. myself." <laughs> yeah. So and not
0: not to mention, and not to mention, if that were the case, it probably would have been mentioned in the film, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kubrick. So like like everything else is unimportant, except what is told on screen, Probably the best way to understand the Kubrick film that that he is a very astute director whatever happens on screen is what is important everything else like like it is it's fine to uh, to theorize about a film about the film but it's not necessarily important to talk about uh, anything else than what is actually happening in the film
1: well I was gonna actually say along those going along those lines maybe we'll just stop with the plot right now because we're gonna be mm-hmm. talking about it within what what we say going on I want to start off by saying that this film has always held a place with amazing visual effects for the 19th, 19, like 19 late 1960s. Yeah. It's amazing. Like even today still, it's really, really good. Like there's a little tiny bit where it's, you kind of look at it and you're like, Oh, it hasn't aged too well, but that's like a split second scene for me. Um, Everything else yeah. is flawless. And I, I, Still think it's almost better than some of these other films that have to use CGI to do everything because
0: whole wholeheartedly agree. I mean, the that, zero gravity
1: good. in it is looks so authentic that just everything about it seems yeah. like it was shot did on you, location, which is not the truth.
0: <laughs> but did you know how they pulled off the the pen scene? The, the pen that floats in the air? They taped it on a sheet of glass and they moved that in front of the camera.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, wow. That's really, it works. Like, it, yeah. it works. That's crazy.
0: <laughs> there are, like, a lot of other effects I enjoy this film. Like, you have these small scenes where you, where it shows how the stewardesses in the spaceships, how they move. walk through the yeah. cabins. <laughs> and, like, it, it's not important for the plot, but I appreciate these moments where it just shows, like, a two-minute uncut scene about how they move Velcro Uh,
1: shoes. (laughs) (laughs) It's a simple solution. It's just like, you need to stick to the ground. Velcro.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I noticed that.
1: (laughs) I like, uh, I do like the dedication to some of these uh, stewardess, uh, the way they like kind of walk in that zero gravity. It it looks really authentic. I, I was thinking this time around when I was watching it, I was like, how much did they like practice doing that in front of a mirror or something like that? You know, because it looks really good. Um, everything about the visuals of this film is is great. Like the uh the turning of the well, like when uh, the stewardess has the food and she walks up the wall and then upside down oh, into yes. the to the next room. That's obviously just a trick of the lens. The the camera's moving, not. You know, mm-hmm. um, so the the room I believe it's the room is moving and the camera is moving at the same time, so it looks like she's moving, but really, you know, obviously the gravity is all the same stuff like that. Yeah, but it, <laughs> it, it it's stuff like that you kind of wish was still utilized today, um, because it just like there's a real there's still a realism to it, but you know while trying to keep that fiction of being in space it's just it's pulled off instead we rely yeah. on uh computers to do everything where it's like that that's fine but if you incorporated both of them i mean hell it'd look amazing not uh, well but yeah. I, I can say this Indeed. christopher christopher nolan does uh do a lot of that nowadays and obviously a lot of his visual effects are really great
0: oh yeah yeah it, it, it definitely depends on what what film it is and what director it is but Mm -hmm. i i I do appreciate these old 60s sci-fi movies where they have much bigger room to improvise with with sci-fi stuff um like like obviously there's not much before it where they need to follow like a guidebook like they have so much room for interpretation where they can just play around with stuff like that with like how How the food works in this movie, and how yeah the food how different (laughs) space stuff works in this film. And I was just gonna say the food
1: is so disappointing. (laughs) It's just like a straw. It's It's like, honey, you didn't drink your corn. Well, (laughs) I don't want to. I really don't want to.
0: (laughs) But apparently, like real astronaut food is like like that, where you get like this gel from a tube.
1: Yeah, but it's more like paste, I guess. Yeah. Yeah,
0: a paste. Paste is yeah, a better paste, word for it. Yeah.
1: Well, do you want to talk about more of the effects? I mean, there's so much uh, more to really talk about, but I mean, we we touched on it a bit. I am not sure if we need to go into
0: it. Yeah, it. there is another part, point I would like to make with this film, and I I do appreciate how symmetrical every shot of this film is. Mm-hmm. Like like placements are important in this film, and like Kubrick has is. Uh, Director that is very, uh, very fixated on detail. Yeah, he's and got
1: impeccable taste. Like looking at his films, yeah. is like looking at art. It's, it's all that I feel almost like it's not even worth talking about because it's just so common. It's like you, you think yeah, Kubrick, true. you think all of this, but you're right. No, it, <laughs> everything. Oh, um, <laughs> sorry, I was trying to avoid that, but it didn't come on time. Uh, everything is always perfectly placed or the colors generate a mood or a feel or something like that. And it's mm-hmm. it's amazing, um, simply, yeah, simply I, put.
0: Absolutely. Like, I, I always enjoy discovering things in Kubrick films because last time when I saw A Clockwork Orange, I noticed that there's actually a phallic shot in every single scene. <laughs> and... <laughs> Or like a phallic shaped object. <laughs> it's like wow, <laughs> I never realized that before. Of and- course, of course, <clears throat> you'd be looking for that, George. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I I just love the way this movie looks, and I, I give that a. Uh, it, it just gives me a bigger point in my book where, uh, just, yeah, just uh, like like that one scene, for instance, when they're on the moon, they find a monolith. Like it's a. It's a long shot. It takes uh, like a minute or two, but it just you just see everything placed around the scene, or like those long opening shots uh, with the uh, of Man scene, uh, where it just it isn't really important, but it just takes time to set the mood, and I, I enjoy stuff like that. But but yeah, no, uh, definitely a movie way ahead of its time. De- <clears throat> definitely for sure. It's.
1: Always going to be referred to as one of Kubrick's biggest films, I think. For a, for a lot of people, um, I think The Shining would probably be that upon anything else, just because it's the most accessible for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, probably the most mainstream film mm-hmm. of Kubrick. Uh,
1: but this one is always going to be like the the Kubrick film, you know.
0: So. Oh oh yeah, absolutely. Do you uh, want to
1: talk about our perspective on the film? Because everybody's got their own, and that's that's one mm-hmm. thing I kind of wanted to say before getting into this, is like, Janko and I aren't experts, and we're not going to tell you <laughs> definitively that this is what a space odyssey is about, because I, I think anyone who does that, we've we've voiced this concern before, but anyone who does that... Saying like this is definitively this is. Films are meant to be interpreted however you want. Like if you watch a space Absolutely. odyssey and you just see the perfect recipe recipe for a taco, I mean that's amazing, but that's <laughs> not how I saw it, and no. <laughs> it's not how everybody else saw it. My point is everybody sees what they want to see in a film, and I, I'd like to know what yours is, and I'll share mine after uh, you're done. So
0: yeah, no, that sounds good. No, for for a while I thought that this movie signifies like both both evolution but also like the the it might sound very bad when I say it like this, but like the dangers of religion mm-hmm. uh, because like the monolith is obviously very important to the story and it is there for all eternity. so I I, I, I feel that the monolith uh, signifies life itself. Well when you look at how, like, he's a constructed uh, computer. Like, he's made. And I, I feel like that goes against, like, the natural law of nature. Mm-hmm. Where Hal is, is, is like, he's fixed, he's based on a set of rules. Like, he, he has a prime directive. Like, he's a computer. So, obviously, he's going to be more, uh, like, a religious institution where... Uh, where he won't have any common sense, he will just follow the orders of, like, uh, instead of looking at it differently, like, as in the laws of nature. And my explanation goes a bit all over the place, but uh, long, long story short, I, 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 like, I f- feel evolution is a strong uh, theme in this film. And having seen it now again with a set of fresh eyes, I, I, I feel that is more accurate to how I view it. Mm -hmm. um
1: i'd say uh, i'd say going off of that though don't you find because uh the monolith though is sort of the birth of man unintentionally no intentionally not not unintentionally intentionally the monolith is the birth of man so you could say that even though hal is man-made we are the birth of whatever he is you Know mm-hmm. and what different, what is the difference between uh, Hal and us? I think was more my takeaway from oh, that's not even the whole movie, but the in between that no, relationship, no, right. right? Um, that's what I get from it. it is almost a polar opposite is there's no difference between how man was created within the confines of this movie or compared to what, like, how Hal was created, you
0: know? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: um, oh,
0: yeah, that- that's um. Uh, I, I like the I like the way you 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 think 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 of that. I I do see some. I do definitely see see that as well. It's just I uh, I think it's incredible how sophisticated of a character Hal is, even though he's just a computer. <laughs> yeah.
1: I like Hal. Uh, we'll we'll get into that a little bit later as well too, because Hal <laughs> is a very iconic character. But yeah, I my my perspective of the film has always been about it's funny because the Space Odyssey obviously at its core is a space film but to me it's always a film about time and it's not Mm -hmm. really anything more uh, the space travel is just the vessel to tell the story and Mm -hmm. time is really of the, the subject matter and with the you know the start of man and then the monolith being a symbol if you will of like the spark of idea or the spark Mm. of wanting to get into the unknown or travel further or, uh, creating tools, you know, it's this, this, the spark of evolution. And if, to me that was always a symbolic gesture, it was the monolith. It was both physical in plot, but was more symbolic in, in its presence. It, 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 to me, it signified like this, you know, with, here here it is suddenly because it just appears out of nowhere to these apes mm. and then all of a sudden you know oh, we, we could create tools or we could use things as tools or we we could f- use tools to fend fender uh, off other uh, opposing groups and stuff like that and this is the dawn of man um and that that's that to me and then with the monolith on on the moon, it's uh almost that warning of kind of like taking that sort of same concept and us getting too close to God, you know? Like we're, we're oh. um, getting further than what we need to know. Like we're asking too many questions. Maybe on an evolutionary track, we need to be slowing down or we're not going in the mm. right direction, you know? That's almost like that, that call, even yeah. though they say it's a message within the movie, it's almost like I a call really like of like, that. you shouldn't be here. Like th- this is not... Maybe the the direction you're supposed to be taking, and then going further, you know. There's the connection that I just said between H- Hal and the monolith, and there's the fact that the Hal is shaped exactly like the monolith is a big thing too. You can't ignore that. Oh. Uh, um. And then uh, the ending of the film, which I mean, both you and I can oh talk no, about it shit. at lengths, but hold on. Oh, um. Fuck. I guess really we should talk about it now, which is so after. Hal basically kills one of the astronauts, and then um, Uh, who's uh, what's his name again? I can't remember. What's get in, get in? Uh, Get back. back Is it Bowman? All right. Uh, That's that's the astronaut that gets away, right?
0: Yeah. Sorry, my internet cut out for a second there, uh, but I'm I'm still recording, so don't worry. This mission
1: is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. Uh, Doctor Doctor Bowman is the astronaut. That's the one that lives, right? Yeah. When that's right, yeah. Doctor Bowman shuts off Hal. I wanted to make it a point to to say this too. Like, um, there's a deeper message within this film about sort of life in general. Uh, Mm -hmm. like our place in this universe, and like how we are just a speck within the, the timeline of what is just the vastness of space it's how it's funny because hal is is a machine but yet when it comes to uh hal being shut off he ha- he, he clearly has a fear of death um and hmm. he he tries to avoid it at all costs just like we would obviously just as humanity does and
0: oh yeah yeah that's true
1: i think it's probably the most frightening part of the film that i've always not morbidly enjoyed but liked the way it was executed I suppose
0: Um, I'm afraid Dave Dave. I'm afraid Dave yeah
1: Daisy (laughs) Daisy give me your your
0: answer do I'm half crazy all for the love of you it won't
1: Even with all of his intelligence, the idea of not knowing where he goes when he gets shut down scares him, right? My um my problem is I still don't entirely know what the monolith plays in the story really, because it it can be anything what it needs to be. But uh, as we're going to describe in a second here, is uh, Kubrick lays it all out. So it's simple for everybody in the the end. (laughs) Good. Um, Yeah, so let's talk about the end. So Dr. Bowman, he's ejected, right? He ejects himself towards the, what is it? The the monolith that's orbiting Saturn. Mm -hmm. And then we get a psychedelic trip (laughs) of just... (laughs) flashing colors and horror of space and then we're basically transported to this odd looking future-like room where he sees different versions of himself and both different versions in the sense that it, it, it he gets older and older every version he sees is just another version of him being older and older and you and I talked about this after I finished watching the film. And I I made the good point of saying that it's not a way of being like, this is him seeing different parts or like he's still in this weird thing. It's just a simple way of, or a very creative and simple way of saying like, you know, it feels like it was only yesterday that I was 10 years old or uh, 20 years old. It's just that a very clever, a very clever way of Kubrick saying that within the confines of the film. It's like, at one point I was... 30 years old and standing here. And then I could picture myself looking back at that same spot, but now I'm an old man at 40 and I'm here at this place. And you know, it's just, that's all that is to me. That's all that is. And apparently to Kubrick, that really is all that that was too. Hmm. And then uh, with the space baby stuff, because that's how ultimately how the movie ends is uh, that's anyone's guess. I guess <laughs> that, that, that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> do you, do you agree with me on the ending though, even like without uh, obviously we talked about yeah. it. Yeah. But
0: yeah, I, I do agree with that after um it uh it, it makes it makes a lot more sense that way and um like it is a it is a good ending. Uh, I I do li- like the ending myself, but um but yeah, no, uh, it definitely makes a lot more sense when you put it that way.
1: I think I also said to you that like, to me, the baby is just a uh, uh, touching back on the, what I thought was yeah. the meaning of like our existence being just a blip in, in the time of this universe, just, just a simple, that's it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. We have no significance in this universe. And I've, I, I, to me, that's what this film signifies is that there's nothing here You know, like time passes for us and we think about these super, super complicated philosophical questions about space. But before we know it, we don't live long enough to really comprehend any of it. And by the time we know it, Mm. we're gone, you know, and then uh, uh, someone else is born to ask these same questions to learn from past generations and before they even... Crack a fraction of that question before their grandfathers or their great grandfathers asked, and they got a little bit further than what they asked. They're gone as well, and that's what this movie is to me: is just how how vast space is, and how our significance, as much as it's part of who we are as humanity, to look beyond the stars to to understand what it means to 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 travel and to be, and what our purpose is. Maybe our purpose is just to be. You know, and the, the, that's what this film is just trying to say is that uh, mm. space is not supposed to be this conquerable thing.
0: Right. But a-
1: we we could also talk about what Kubrick how Kubrick descri- describes the film, which is more in line with the book uh, apparently. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's say this that uh, Kubrick has in its simplest form described the start as basically like the monolith gets shot out by extraterrestrials to help the progression of man which is apparent I think both you and I actually can see that and we got that from the film and then um yeah the second monolith on the moon puts out a signal when mo- a man has finally traversed like into the into their universe like they've made it off of earth and into the onto the moon, and it sends out a message to the one at Saturn, which is basically relaying a message back to the extraterrestrials. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, Dr. Bowman makes his way over to the monolith. The extraterrestrials shoot him into this space voyage through space and time into their universe where he is put in a zoo uh, for basically the aliens to look at for until he dies. And that's it that's it. And then when he dies, he is reborn as this vast uh star child <laughs> basically. Um and that is that uh, Q- and that is not even my words. I'm I'm doing a very like short version of what Kubrick said, but that is what the film is. Hmm. How do you feel about that though? With, with all that said, with all the philosophical discussion we had on this film, how do you feel about it just being at its simplest form, just being like uh ah, he's in a zoo? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is an interesting way of um I mean <laughs> I don't I don't really know what to think about that. <laughs> I mean, I will I will gladly think differently um but uh but yeah, it, it's good that he he didn't initially intend for it to be as philosophical as many people think it is. <laughs> well, that's... A, <laughs> like, that's that's
1: the case for a lot of films, you know, and... Uh, yeah, that's true. Everybody, but that's the good thing about cinema, is people want to be able to read what they want in certain films and stuff like that, so... Um,
0: oh, yeah, that,
1: that's true. Well, we've talked about A Space Odyssey in great length, more so than we usually do with most of our films, so I think <laughs> yeah, let's... Well, yeah talk about let's talk about uh so a little bit of trivia but then but first we got to talk about this the big elephant in the room which both are you and i oh. share which is the fact that the movie makes me sleepy and i'm sorry to say that there's not a single time where i haven't actually fallen asleep during this film
0: yeah i get it <laughs> it's um it's all all those breathing sounds the
1: breathing sounds and the, the just the hums of like uh, yeah. just the space like the the engine in a in the vehicles or something they're just huge like almost 20 minute scenes of just that and it lulls me to sleep it's like i know that the yeah. scene is trying to be <laughs> really really intense or like oh is he going to make it is he not going to make it but to me i just like i'm so comfort- comforted by these sounds and i just i fall asleep I, like immediately yeah. <laughs> and it ruins it for me like I know that that's what space sounds like and all this stuff but it's like I'm, I'm sitting here in my chair and I'm in a blankie and I've got I, I had a little food in my tummy and you know what I, I'm gonna go to sleep now you're playing little white noise for a baby man I'm gonna I I'm gonna go to sleep <laughs> uh, it's always been my my biggest problem with this film is yeah. it's too relaxing for what it's trying to be sometimes
0: yeah you're right
1: and i i i don't hate i don't hate that about that because i actually love the sound design in this film but i it just makes me so sleepy i can't say it any better than that it's just uh, it's such a snooze fest and not the fact that it's boring it's just like it's almost like it's trying to put me to sleep
0: <laughs> yeah I, I mean you have the the scene where uh uh, the other astronaut gets launched into space and that takes a good like twenty minutes until that resolves. <laughs> yeah.
1: the ragdoll physics into space. Pssh. Yeah. <laughs> um okay, well let's talk about a bit of trivia and then we'll do our ratings.
0: Yeah. Well, uh the you know the, the space station, right? Uh where he uh- he takes the the lunar yep. uh plane to mm-hmm. Uh, In in Futurama, that uh, that same space station is the Stock Exchange. (laughs) Okay.
1: Uh, Yeah, I guess that is.
0: And, uh, well, David Bowie was inspired by this movie to create Space Oddity.
1: I wonder if he Uh, liked the fact that this guy's name is David Bowman.
0: (laughs) Probably. (laughs) (laughs) That was probably the reason why, yeah, I got him like this. (laughs) It's
1: got my name in it. Yes, I can relate.
0: (laughs) And apparently, I didn't notice prior. There is a robot Hall of Fame, and in two thousand three, HAL nine thousand got conducted into the robot Hall of Fame.
1: He wasn't conducted in two thousand one. That feels like a huge missed opportunity.
0: Yeah, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, also um, Kubrick didn't actually use a lot of green screen or blue screen uh, with this film. So instead, he got he got people to uh, paint a lot of uh, backdrops okay. and like a lot of the a lot of the space scenes you see and like the are all detailed paintings okay and they st- they stated that after making uh, 2001 uh, they they wanted to work for uh, the Beatles animated film *Yellow Submarine* because that was more lighthearted <laughs> and fun.
1: Uh, those, if that's the case, uh, the space looks amazing in this movie. I hope that someone oh, yeah. preserved those uh, paintings, even if it's just a space. They, they're great.
0: Yeah, indeed, it looks it looks so realistic, and there's so much trivia. Um,
1: well, I mean, we talked about this film enough. I don't know it was, if we really yeah. usually we do yeah. trivia just to bring up topics to get us to roll a little bit with it more so but i think that's enough Uh, let's go with your take first
0: yeah uh well even though at times it is a very sleepy film not not because of it being boring but because of what we just stated about the sound effects and stuff i still think it's a very important film in cinema and although i don't regard it as one of my favorites of Kubrick I still give it a a, a high high merit because of the time it was made and both as I mentioned before the symmetrical look of the film and everything else combined just makes it a, a very impressive film so having said that I I can't help but give this movie a five star rating based on that alone
1: yeah I I I like this film a lot. I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think it's ever going to get a five star from me. I think, as much as I read in and I, I appreciate what I what I do with the film, there there's so much great stuff with this film. But I, a lot of it, a lot, and this is going to sound really shallow of me, but the the sleepiness part actually bothers me a lot. I like there's important no, parts and there's an important sort of like tension that the film wants to achieve, but I'm just put asleep most of the time. And uh, don't, don't think <laughs> discount, like don't say in your head, like, oh, well, that just means you're not watching it like close enough or like you missed out on these great, no, parts. Like, honestly, no, it's me like falling asleep for a couple of minutes. I wake up, I watch, and then I fall asleep for like a couple more minutes, even though like I struggle. And it, it, it does bother me that, that that's a thing, you know, with, with this film. Um, mm. And it's, Personal thing, I understand that completely. But in the same sense, it's it's my my score. It's not the worldwide score. So <laughs> honestly, I, I'd probably go four, but because of its significance in in film and uh, just uh, the, the, I mean, hell, uh, there's so much. I just great stuff I said about it, right? So in that, I, I will say four and a half. But I don't know. I don't think I'd ever give it higher than that. Four, four and a half
0: yeah well I mean that's still a, still a very good rating mm-hmm.
1: yeah I think so So, but uh, let's move on now because we've wasted well I shouldn't say wasted but we've spent a lot of time <laughs> uh, with a space Odyssey yeah. and really we're doing this episode for <laughs> for Interstellar so let's talk about uh, <laughs> Interstellar
0: this world's a treasure it's been telling us to leave for a while now Your daughter's generation will be the last to survive on Earth. You're the best pilot we ever had. Get out there and save the world.
1: Everybody ready to say goodbye to our solar system? To our galaxy? Here we go. Yeah. So, Interstellar, uh, in short, is... It's a movie by Christopher Nolan. Uh, and it, it basically goes down to this, the, the adventure of a group of explorers who make use of newly discovered wormhole to surpass the limitations of space travel and conquer the vast distances involved in interstellar voyage. That's, that is a very loose description of what it is because it, there's so much more going on with this <laughs> film. But uh, it, it's a good oh, enough yeah jumping off point for us to talk about this film so this was my first watching this was your first watching uh what did how did you like it uh Janko?
0: initially i thought it was a uh enjoyable quite enjoyable film there were of course parts i i didn't quite like uh at times it did feel a lot like uh, a typical hollywood film and that really put me out of it but still it has such a strong opening um and, in fact, the first half is probably my favorite part of this mm-hmm. film. But still, I can see how people put this high on their list and how it is a very effective film. And I had fun with it, sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we can go deeper in detail uh, a bit later on what I felt about uh, the parts I didn't enjoy.
1: Well, this is a somewhat newer film. It came out in 2014. Uh, God, it's not yeah, even... No. <laughs> it's almost... Okay, never mind. It's not that new anymore, but it's enough where I, I don't want to spoil it so much. Um, but mm-hmm. we can say that... Uh, so Matthew McConaughey uh, plays the character of... Um, who's he playing again? What's his name? Uh, uh, what's his name oh. again? It's uh, Cooper. That's right, Cooper. He, he plays yeah. Cooper, um, and he's a engineer, uh, uh, basically an astronaut. And something about there in the future and basically mankind's damage to the Earth's climate has basically put them on the countdown for their extinction because nothing's growing anymore. They're dealing with these giant dust storms all the time, which is just ruining everything. And he lives on a farm, and he grows corn, and one day he finds an anonymous... Oh, my God. Anonymous. Thank you. He finds that with his daughter, (laughs) and uh, they figure out that it's a coordinate, and they go track it down, and they find out that it's NASA, and they've got this secret mission, and guess what? They need Cooper, because he's the best astronaut that they've ever had, and they're doing this crazy-ass mission where they need to go into this wormhole that's just appeared outside of Saturn, and... Yadda 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 yada to find, to find new, new a new planet. New yeah, exactly. life. A new inhabitable. Exactly. A new a new planet to call home. And the plot kind of goes on and on and on like that, but that that's the gist of it. I don't want to spend too long with it because uh it's a good film and I, I honestly, just like a space od- Odyssey I I'd say watch it. It's a it's worth it. Yeah. That that's basically it. There's a lot of science fiction talk in this film. I, I kinda wanted to talk about that. There's almost a bit too much science fiction talk. How yeah. did you feel about it? Because there's a lot of like, like the doohickey is going to meet up with the cryogenic fear. But when we get <laughs> into that cryogenic fear, you got to waste seven parsnix because if you don't, you'll die. But you won't die here. Seven seconds mm-hmm. from now, you'll die. But the seven minutes from the past is going to catch up with you. And when that seven minutes catches up with you, the gravity is going to fluctuate into the venus flytrap i grew in my garden (laughs) but be be careful
0: or you might get six bogeys
1: i mean it's it's very christopher (laughs) nolan um and it doesn't ever take me out of the plot but i think as the the film went on i was just kind of like all right like shut up (laughs) just it's a bit uh, just stop for a second um uh, uh, though apparently they've this film tried to keep its science as accurate as possible, which I, I can, like, yeah. throughout watching it, I I did appreciate the attempt at making a realistic sci-fi, which I uh, was refreshing. I, I enjoyed that aspect. I just think after a while, it just, mm. like, they explain so much science stuff in it, and I know it's vital for the plot. It's just kind of like, how vital is it? past a
0: certain point you know
1: it's like I don't I don't know if we really need to know like everything
0: no you're right yeah I initially didn't pay too much attention to this the science talk I got what they were saying but it just didn't click that much with me as uh but yeah no it's a a good thing in fact that it tries to be as scientific as Mm -hmm. possible they
1: had um Uh, what was his name they had uh Dr. Kip Thorne uh, as the advisor yeah. for this film and he put a, a couple of ground rules down for the making mm. of this film saying like hey it's got to do this or this if you don't then no I'm not helping you um, which apparently they uh, throughout production they butt heads on uh, with some of the plot lines Yeah, because I guess at one point Christopher Nolan wanted to make it so that they can go faster than the speed of light and uh, the doctor here was like no you find no, <laughs> he's like, <"You're> not doing <laughs> you can't that. do that. So, uh,
0: the way he explains uh, in the movie, the way he explains how the black hole works, uh, where he jabs the pencil through the paper, I've uh, seen that theory. Uh, yeah, the it's a real
1: pieces. it's it's a real uh, theory. I mean, it's a theory. I mean, there's also mm-hmm. a theory that will go into a black hole and it will do nothing but crush us into basically dust. Hey, Matt from the editing world here. I realized that what they were talking about was actually a wormhole, and then Janko said black hole, and then I said black hole, and nothing makes sense. So if you could just ignore that, that'd be that'd be pretty good. All right, back to the show. But um, it wouldn't even be dust left; we'd just be crushed into such a fine nothingness yeah, totally. that would just be gone. But it is—it's—it's it's a theory that the uh, wormholes are ways of traveling vast distances and i mean we'll never really know until i guess we try. oh uh, i want to talk so within the film th- there's also a robot buddy in this film too um they don't i don't know what their specific name is but i know the one is taurus taurus yeah tars and like uh, the... there's another one i can't remember his name though but so there's yeah. a, a computer like ai system that they also have on the spaceships and um there's a there's a lot of a space odyssey like even before jenko and i knew there were similarities oh, yeah. with it there are a lot of similarities personally i like hal better but I, as the film went on i gotta say mm. tars grew on me like a lot and especially especially yeah. when they're in that water planet and then he's like they're like tars go help that guy and all of a sudden he's like whirling around the water i was like yeah go tars go <laughs> it was like he's going so fast i was getting really excited for him
0: yeah I, I did like how tars moved like it's just two rods that go yeah, back and forth
1: it was like really a... cool because it's almost like my wife and i talked about it it was like this is almost within the realm of this is what our ai would look like i feel like because we wouldn't like, perfecting, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know, but perfecting, like, the human body in a robotic form is not easy. Uh, like, um,
0: I don't know yeah. if you watch,
1: but there's a, there's a competition between different universities to make, like, robots do different oh. things. Um, and I think one won a prize because a robot opened a door. And it's, it was so hard, and I think it, like, fell over, like, after it opened the door and stuff like that. Like, d- it's not easy. So within the realm of, like, if we have AI, more than less shoving it inside of a giant tower that can, like, just move its different parts, uh, that seems real. Like, it, it seems like, yeah, that's probably what we would have yeah. instead of, like, some sort of man that looks like a robot. It's just this giant brick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which also which also looks yeah, a lot right. like the monolith. <laughs> Everything looks like the monolith.
0: Yeah. It does, yeah. Absolutely. And I, I like the fact that uh Taras had a human yeah and uh, that would definitely that would definitely benefit how and the and the indicator
1: <laughs> i actually l- liked the indicator when he did the, the joke i think that was the other one maybe or was it no it was, yeah was that one i can't sorry there's two robots they're both the same and i just can't remember what the other one but well, every time he did the humor thing i remember he asked him to t- put on the indicator for when he does a joke and then he'd say the joke and then be like "Bing," <laughs> just tell you what this is <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah,
1: that was nice. <laughs> um, but I I will admit, I like... Hal is always going to be my favorite, but this, the robot in here, it, it grew on me after a while.
0: Yeah, I, for the same reason.
1: <laughs> um, and I, I actually did get really... Spoiler alert. I did get really sad when uh, they lost each other, but then obviously he fix, fixes mm. him up in the end. I thought that was really... Sort of almost like a Star Wars type vibe I got from that. Yeah. (laughs) He's kind of blasting the space with his little R2-D2. I don't know. I liked the voice in them too. Like Hal's voice is always going to be the most iconic because it takes that sort of roboticness. Mm. But I also did enjoy the voice here too. Like there's, it's hard because you say like TARS versus, uh, TARS versus uh, Hal would be an easy like Hal all the way. But honestly, I kind of like them both. (laughs) Um, Hal is very, very great though too. in the sense that like i don't know there's a calm calm sort of uh like, distance like, in, in hal's voice yeah
0: yeah but then again taurus you can't trust hal is just a big glowing red eye that it's just impossible True. to yeah. trust i think there's
1: <laughs> what is it that he says um i might have to put it in here but i like that one line that is very it's one of my favorite lines from hal and I know we're talking about the wrong movie, but it's one of my favorite lines from Halloween. Mm. They're talking about the, um, uh, they're talking about something, and then Hal gets that message, and in the middle of talking, he goes like he's he's saying something, and then he goes, "Just a moment, just a moment," and then he he continues on, and it's like it's just that buffer, <laughs> yeah, it's just that buffer of like, uh, hold on, I'm receiving information, just a second, but it's not like me saying like, oh, just give me a second, I'm getting something. You know, like how Tars would probably say it, but it was like literally just a loading screen of like, wait a minute, because it's very robotic, right? And I, I don't know, I love that um, yeah. line from Hell. I, I, I'm i probably the only one to really say yeah, it, but I, yeah. it's one of my favorites from Hell.
0: Oh, ah, I get it. It works. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I didn't notice that. Let's talk
1: about yeah. uh, Interstellar, though. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so this, this obviously to me, uh, without even knowing it, like we said, this feels like Christopher Nolan's space odyssey. Would, mm. would you agree on that?
0: I would absolutely agree with that. There's a lot of
1: similarities, I mean, is... uh, obviously like tons of similarities and especially with yeah. like the whole sort of time, like both, uh, space odyssey and this, they're both like they're space films, but they're really about time. Obviously Thus the, the title of our, um, Theme today is time for space is because really the, mm. the it's just about time a, a lot of these films.
0: That's right, and I mean even though even though Interstellar is a more simpler film to watch, uh, like it's a it's a more straightforward film. It it, it still has uh, some has the same t- same type of deepness as uh, mm-hmm. 2001 has, uh, and. Yeah, it is. It is a fair description of describing them both together, uh, because Nolan did in fact get inspired by mm-hmm. 2001. But, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, they're both space journeys that take a long as time, and uh, uh, this is probably the best. Fi- this is probably the the biggest thing I enjoyed with Interstellar is the is the fact that. Space travel will, in fact, take a long time. Like it will take many months, yeah. years. No well, that we times.
1: didn't even mention the in, not, in, not... in the Space Odyssey the uh, cryosleep. It, there, it's mm. a, a thing in both of these films, right? So, mm. um,
0: that's the, right.
1: The way it happens in uh, Space Odyssey, well, I don't. We don't really even see it happen. But
0: no, they they just have these sleep chambers uh, in mm-hmm. the living quarters. In
1: Christopher uh, in Christopher uh, Nolan's the like, but... hyper uh, the the cryogenic sleep looks so uncomfortable <laughs> it's just yeah it looks
0: really scary like first yep. you're first uh, you lay in a like a coffin then, like in a, box, a puddle and then yeah, water rises basically. to your head and then that and then a lid closes and then another lid closes on top of that it's, it's not like, even wow, the, it's not even a, it's a lid it's like someone die. puts
1: <laughs> plastic wrap on you it's like okay Okay, are you comfortable? Yeah. Okay, you're not going to be comfortable now. Just give me a second. (laughs) Just put plastic wrap all over you. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, it makes sense, though. You put things away in the fridge, you usually put plastic wrap on it, so. That's right, (laughs) You make it last longer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah it's important to vacuum is it it? probably not even
1: important to the cryogen it's just like in case you need to eat him later we want to make sure he's not frostbit (laughs) (laughs) it's
0: like uh oh it's like that uh alive space yeah.
1: there's a lot i like about this film the, the visual effects are really great um even though i i don't really feel like comparing the two movies uh effects and being like this is better than that i honestly uh interstellar had mm. good effects i enjoyed a lot of the planets Looked yeah. De- definitely looked alien but realistic and uh I, I, it all comes back to sort of this realism that interstellar sort of presented like it, it it's foreign but yet it feels familiar you know oh yeah it's also kind of funny too this is a little off topic but we started well i watched this film with my wife um, and she enjoyed it too but she, we started this film and she's like oh is this the one with matt damon and i was like no it's uh it's the one with uh Matthew mcconaughey and she's like oh, i must be thinking of the martian i was like yeah i think you were and then and then like around the you know <laughs> halfway through the film, they uh, unfreeze that guy and Matt Damon shows up and she just kind of looks at me. I was like,
0: oh, I guess so. <laughs> Here he is. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, 2014 was the year where they made two movies about people rescuing Matt Damon in space. So <laughs> that did The was Martian come year, out I in
1: suppose.
0: 2014? Oh, I okay. think
1: it did, yeah. Oh, that's kind of weird. Oh, that's no. That's just the year that they decided to blast, <laughs> blast him into space.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Was it? Oh.
1: Uh, Let me hold on. I'm checking as well. Matt Damon, The Martian, uh, came out in 2015. So. Oh. They blasted uh, him. They okay. blasted so him back into off. space. All right. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's true. <laughs> uh, the yeah. There's a lot of similarities between these two films with, um, with. Uh, a space odyssey and, and interstellar and it, and it it's clear to see that like up, upon every anything else um this movie has a really strong strong sense about time and i kind of almost feel like that's how christopher nolan almost took away like i i swear if we were to ask christopher nolan like what is how did you mm. interpret a space odyssey that's what he would say is he would say it's a film about time. Yeah, it's a film about our time. Like so, uh, how I perceived it. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm like Christopher Nolan. Like, look at me. Um, I, I'm just saying like maybe that's <laughs> no. he had a similar experience to that film that I did, and this obviously clearly inspired him to make this.
0: Oh yeah, it it, it definitely makes makes a lot of sense, and I, I can see that as well that the that it it, it for sure must have. Uh, he sure, for for sure must have gotten that out of 2001, mm-hmm. about the time aspect. And
1: um, Is there uh, a favorite scene that you have in this film, Janko? Because I I, I kind of want to talk about this uh, film as best we can, but also a part of me wants to keep yeah. it vague. I, it's, it's almost weird, you know, you get that sense of like, I want to say as much as yeah. I can about A Space Odyssey, but with this film, it's like, I want to say what I think about this film and i want other people to experience the rest you know because you're right it's so it, a lot of it is quite yeah. plot heavy and if we took our time and described every single piece about this plot i feel like people wouldn't go out and watch it so um that's right
0: yeah no probably what my favorite parts of this film is the the the, the, the first 30 minute introduction about uh, why they have to uh go out traveling in the first place like the 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 way the world is now how how like crops are dying like it's impossible to maintain a growth on um on on uh on different uh grain or vegetables because these keep dying out and you have this dust storm that Uh, causes them to get like lung uh, Mm -hmm. difficulties and I mean that set the bar high on uh, like wow wow this is a real serious thing and uh, well uh, it it makes sense why they would go find a new inhabitable uh, place to live yeah so very stellar opening Uh, yeah as I said earlier the first half is definitely better in my opinion than the second half although if there was one thing that I really didn't enjoy um, with this film is when they finally encounter Matt Damon, and felt that that whole sequence was entirely what? unnecessary, and it would have saved In, the uh, movie with some
1: length. Would the Matt Damon stuff? Why do you think is unnecessary?
0: I just uh, it just felt a bit too cliched Hollywood. Like it, it just felt too overly dramatic and. Uh, like I, I get why Matthew was 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 like that but it just I don't know it, it, it just felt so unnecessary to add that that it was just alright well we have another three minutes with this uh, unnecessary disposition well hopefully this resolves mm, I don't
1: know enough. I enjoyed it I, I probably disagree Um, I liked the idea of like why it happened it added this extra tension to the film because this was their last hope and it was the logical explanation, and obviously, mm. you know, it, it, it's part of a little bit part of the theming uh, with the the film is just like mm-hmm. man's ability to to try to survive, right? And how that backfires, yeah. Also, it, it, like it could be our greatest strength, and it, also it's our biggest weakness as well, too. Because the only reason he kept relaying that data is because he just wanted someone to come back and save him, because he was. Too chicken shit to actually just admit Mm -hmm. like this planet's screwed. No one's gonna come get me, you know. I liked I liked it because and then it added the extra like uh, I I would definitely not say it's unnecessary at all because then the space uh the spaceship wouldn't explode and then it wouldn't put them in this force to do like the most badass awesome scene in the movie which is him spinning their little pod as fast as the same trajectory as a spaceship. I love that scene. <laughs> that scene's awesome. And I, I really, that was going to be yeah, my I answer wasn't. to my one of my favorite bits, is him spinning that thing uh, right at the same speed and then locking on. I thought that was, like, it's a creative, cool, cinematic, like, uh, intense scene that uh, no other film's going to do. And uh, I, I enjoyed the heck out of that. So, so to say the scene is pointless, no, you dumb.
0: The endurance is starting to heat. Twenty feet out. I need three degrees starboard, Cooper. Ten feet out, Cooper. We are lined up. Initiating spin.
1: But uh, I yeah I. I would say I enjoyed mostly everything. I just think the ending lost me a bit. I am going to say this. Uh, When the ghost, quote unquote, was doing its thing and she was trying to communicate with him, I turned to my wife and I said, I'm going to take a shot in the dark. That's uh, her dad doing all that. And she's like, "How?" And I was like, I don't know. I just think it is. And lo and behold, I was right. So it was, it was predictable somehow. Like, I don't know how it was predictable, but it was really predictable. Yeah, it um, in the was. fact that I was like, nah, I kind of saw that from like a billion miles away. And then there's just the way it ended, too. It's like he gets a, these, I'm sorry, uh, I'm kind of spoiling things, but he gets these final moments with his old ass daughter. And she's basically like, oh, dad, I waited for you so, for
0: so long. Okay, please go away, cause I don't really care. <laughs> and you're just
1: like, and then he just kind of leaves too. He's just like, okay, <laughs> that's it. And then there's sort of like this love, like love thing at the end, and you're just like, okay. And like I just, I don't know. The ending didn't work for me at all, like at all. Like I enjoyed the fact that he got caught, mm. but I don't know. It's just up until like basically where you could see like the fifth dimension on a, a perspective that we can understand it and stuff like that. All of that stuff, when mm. it started getting really explained, it just slowly started falling apart for me where I'm just like, Oh, I was enjoying this. And now it's yeah. just kind of, it kind of felt like shoehorned <laughs> in almost to the point yeah. where like, it's the opposite. Like, cause K- Kubrick knew that with the space odyssey, right? Like he knew that if he's just like explained, like he's at a inter galactic space zoo and everybody gets to see him and he's just aged and he's there forever and he turns into this thing he knows that if he literally told the audience that people would have walked out of that film being like oh okay and
0: yeah it's it's a simple it's a simple yeah exactly and then
1: it's the same with uh it's the same with just like there's a you're, you're making a movie you have the option to just dramatize it you know dramatize the shit out of it and make us wonder yeah. what it really was supposed to be but yeah absolutely. instead christopher nolan has to take the most literal stance on it and also put in the shoehorned love interest <laughs> thing which does not belong in this film
0: oh no yeah that is yeah impossible. i didn't Very and it was it's so
1: like <laughs> and short like it's so small it's like why bother why did you bother doing this yeah i don't know that's that's that for me
0: yeah, I also didn't quite enjoy the ending either. It was a bit all over the place, and as you explained, like it just yeah, it does. It, it, it does
1: explain much. it too much. It's a little bit of I don't know. It, like it, it just felt uh, it's it's a Christopher Nolan ending. You know, it's the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's true. Although I, I think Matthew uh, McConaughey. Did yeah, definitely. I,
1: I think it was almost written for him. Like I'm, I'm not saying that that's the case. I just, yeah, watching the the movie, you're like, wow, this role was written for Matthew McConaughey.
0: Yeah, I can, I can, I can absolutely um, see that. <laughs> I, <don't,
1: laughs> I liked, I liked watching his face when they were spinning around really, really fast. I hope they were spinning around really fast because <laughs> that would have been great. But uh, yeah, so. Um you know what I was going to do a bit of trivia. I'll do I'll do a little bit of trivia. So one uh Steven Spielberg was apparently supposed to direct this film, which I'm really glad he didn't. I oh. think this is definitely a Christopher Nolan film. I couldn't yeah. imagine Spielberg doing this.
0: No, speaking of uh Spielberg, uh, uh have you you've seen AI, right? Artificial intelligence?
1: Nope.
0: No, okay. Well, do you know of the film? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, initially uh, Kubrick wrote it and, oh, Okay. Uh, and he was actually supposed to direct it, but uh, he, he passed away prior to it. So he gave the rights to Steven Spielberg. But okay. I'm wondering, I'm wondering how different it would be if Kubrick actually directed AI. Uh, di- so, have, uh, so different. I haven't even it. seen yeah. the
1: film and I can tell you it'd be so different.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was just uh, well, it was a nice segue to um, Kubrick again. <laughs>
1: yeah, true, true. Um, the uh, what was I going to say? The da 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 da. Oh, the giant dust clouds were created on location, so that wasn't a CGI effect. It was a real oh. real effect using large fans oh. to blow uh, cellulose uh, based synthetic dust through the air.
0: Okay. Wow.
1: Um, and Dr. Kip, the guy, the doctor who was uh, basically an advisor throughout the writing of the film and stuff like that, uh, Dr. Yeah. Kip won a scientific bet uh, with Stephen Hawking upon the astrophysics theory that underlies the under, yeah, underlies the movie, um, and <laughs> as a consequence, Hawking had to subscribe to Penthouse for a year.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. I'm sure. Um, uh, I'm, sh- I'm. I'm sure all those science nerds have some gambling rackets going on.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably. And uh, <laughs> um, the
0: the wormhole
1: uh, was placed near Saturn in reference to 2001: A Space Odyssey. Oh yeah, um,
0: it's a it's a good connection.
1: Yeah. So those that's we're not gonna uh, there's there's a lot of trivia, <laughs> and I'm not gonna go because we're running a little long on this episode but um, we gotta do ratings so uh, I I'll start first Um, yeah go ahead I enjoyed this film it was it was a good film I probably I probably well I gotta say this like with everything that I said I, I did genuinely enjoy it I think certainly after a point and which I've already made clear it started to drop off for me um, and I think it went a little too long. I didn't ever think it was like that bad, honestly. Um, and I was never counting the seconds or the minutes in this runtime, but it, it did go a little bit long. But I'd probably I'd probably give it a four stars to be honest. it's a, it's a great film up to a point. And I think mm. when it hits that point that ultimately it's never gonna go past four. Honestly, Um, and I'm I'm really curious if on a rewatch, if it would keep that four stars or if it would just stay through, Mm -hmm. if it would go down to three and a half. But at this point now, um, it's it's a good film. I like it. There's a lot of enjoyable aspects to it. uh, Honestly,
0: yeah, very nice. Well, I um, I do love the world building in this film. Uh, That the like like uh, disregarding the. The, the crops like everything else has gone to shit the way uh the way college works now and uh that uh, the military is no more and ice uh, clouds you have on un- uh, yeah then <laughs> you have these then you have these underground uh nasa people and uh, yeah I, I i it sets a good mood for what this film is trying for and a general motion of the film in the first half is very enjoyable, mm-hmm. but uh, but thinking of the things I didn't like of it, and um, I I feel it 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 it's twenty minutes longer than Space Odyssey, and I, I feel it it is a bit too long for what it's worth. Um, having cut down a, a little bit near the end, it would have been a much better film, in my opinion. Uh, but having said that, I, I still, I still fairly enjoyed it. I thought it was, um, a good film. Um, and there were moments that I'll, there are moments that I'll think of later where it's like, yeah, that was really good. So uh, I'll, I'll settle with a three and a half star yeah, rating.
1: I, I can, I, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I was trying to say. I, I understand. What all you're right. About, but yeah, um, yeah. Okay, that was that was that. So that was uh, time time for space. Right? Is that what it was called? Yeah, time for space. Yeah, uh, that was our double feature. <laughs> um, it's definitely worth watching both of these films back to back, or you know what I mean. Um, watching it like one day and then the yeah. next. Uh, so, I hopefully you liked that ep- uh, this episode. We we enjoyed. It. I had a good discussion with you.
0: Yeah, me too. Yeah, it was. Uh, I've always wanted to talk uh, space Odyssey with you.
1: We should, uh, do.
0: Hopefully, we'll get down to every single Kubrick. I was, yeah, I was just going to say, maybe we should do more
1: (laughs) Kubrick films, uh, because we both do enjoy him as a director. I love, I love, um, well, we both love A Clockwork Orange. That's, that's a favorite of both of ours. Yeah.
0: I mean, Kubrick is easily amongst my five, my top five favorites.
1: Uh, I've been really feeling like getting into more Kurosawa again lately. So I think that's the direction I'm going to be going currently. I, uh, sounds good I got a couple I I think we should do a curse uh, something uh, we'll we'll keep that for a surprise we should do that sometimes yeah Yeah, so if you guys like this episode please uh, remember to subscribe so you hear us uh, as soon as we release and then um, like or comment um, review whatever you can for the the podcast just to show your love it it means a heck of a big difference for us honestly it
0: absolutely does
1: if you wanna, and
0: also, oh, go on. Also for for our um, our shorter episodes, uh, for our uh, new impressions, new opinions, we we really we really would love to have questions from you that we answer in that in in those episodes. So, um, as we have advertised a lot on our Twitter, please please go ahead and uh, ask us any questions that you feel you would want us to answer regarding either film or or either. Um, uh, or or whatever that you're, you're you're curious about in the topics of film
1: oh and uh, yeah if you want to get a hold of us the best means is to do it through our uh, Twitter just look up critically optimistic and you'll see our logo uh, just click on that one and then uh, if you want to email us we'll put a link to our email in the description of the episode uh, but for those listening it's critically optimistic podcast at gmail.com if you honestly want to show some more support just reach out that's that's the best way right now and listen uh, yeah. just listen to, if, if you're new to the show go back and listen to the other uh, episodes because honestly they're just as much fun um, and we've got some amazing Absolutely. guests now on, on some of them and we're, we're going to definitely get some more uh, guests coming up here and we're definitely going to get Ebony back uh, because that's been a request yeah. already so uh, yeah but um. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode and uh, we'll see you next time.